Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would, just throw them open for right now. I didn't finish last week's message, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff, and so uh, we're just going to see how this all goes this morning. But I heard from a lot of different people about the message last week, and everybody uh, called and told me their story of messing up and not trusting their dope. And so I need to clarify that right quick before this message goes any further. I'm not talking about dope. I'm not talking about drugs. I'm talking about data on previous engagements. Dope for long-distance shooters where you have all of the distance in, you have all the ballistics of your bullet and you have all this data, this information that you have that you're supposed to trust. And then you don't trust it and you think you're smarter than all the, the electronic things you have and then you miss. And you say, wow, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so that's what a lot of Christians are doing nowadays. They're missing the target, missing the mark, which we looked at that word sin is promathia, which means missing the mark. They're missing the mark because they're not trusting the data that they have, which the data that we have is called the Word of God. Amen? It's pretty simple. But we don't trust it. We read it and it says, forgive your enemies. And we say, I don't want to forgive my enemies. I think I got a better, better dope chart, you know? Lo oh, we'll get into that horrible stuff about love. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. We're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, what's happening is, is you're not trusting your data. You're not trusting your dope. You're not trusting that, that God has a better way than you have. Now, we all do it. There's no sense in sitting here feeling condemned. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message to help us understand how if we're going to hit our targets and we're going to, we're going to be successful in what we're doing in life, that we're going to have to learn to trust the data. We're going to have to learn to trust that Jesus knows better than we do. Hello? Y'all with me? Y'all don't seem very confident that you're believing what I'm saying, okay? Well, let's just go on here a little bit. And so I went through, and I, I, I don't want to go back over everything, but I, I told you that. The very first thing you got to have that you got to start trusting in life, you got to have something called determined faith. Everybody say determined faith. You know, I don't know how many times in my almost 40 years of walking with Jesus that, you know, I've prayed about a situation or I have, you know, uh, been, in a, been in a trial or been in some trouble and I prayed about a situation and I just knew God was going to answer it a certain way. Have you all been there? And he didn't. And so I, I, you get the immediately... Your data starts being challenged because you're like, wait a minute, you didn't do this the way I thought you should have done it. And so, what's wrong with you? Come on. We all do it. We all think we have a, we all think we're the executive secretary to the Holy Ghost and that we have it all figured out and we are smarter than the God who created the heavens and the earth and all therein. Yeah, you, you know I'm preaching good. And then if you, if you don't like it, if it's not answering, like then, then you know, if, you, if you're not going to the point where you're saying, well, God must have done something wrong, well, then what you're doing is then you just stop saying, well, maybe, maybe I'm not thinking right. And so immediately there begins to be unbelief come into your life, and immediately you begin to have doubts that, you know, this, maybe it's this or maybe it's because of that. And the devil loves to play this game. He's, oh, well, it's because you did that. It's because you thought ugly about the car that cut you off. Hello? And so then he's got you, see, now he's got you not trusting your data. And the moment he's got you not trusting your data, you don't have 
fervent faith. You don't have determined faith that, that, that God's going to do it. So then, man, you get into this place that, man, it's not going to be productive. You're not going to see victory. Okay? Hebrews 6, uh, Hebrews eleven six 6 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Okay? So I, I gave you the story of Mark chapter 2, verse 1, where they began to, Jesus is holding the meeting and the room's so full that the guys can't get their friend in on the, on the stretcher. And so they tear, start tearing off the roof and letting him down. And you just can imagine, I mean, folks, listen to me. Can you all imagine if this room was so full, no one could get in, and we heard somebody up there, the screw gun on the roof, taking off 10? I mean, I would be screaming for somebody to stop them. Next thing you know, man, tiles are falling down, and, man, here they're letting this guy down. But Jesus sat there and watched the whole event. He watched the whole event, and it says something, that he saw their faith. And I, and I added to it, they saw their determined faith, right? That they're going to tear off the roof. And then you can imagine, folks, this is, this is not an easy deal. I don't know how many of y'all, I love y'all, but I don't know how many I'd trust you to let me down through a roof and four of you holding on a rope and somebody not getting us off and whatever and dump me right in the middle of the, I mean, I love you, but I don't know if we're all that talented, you know what I mean? And so Jesus saw their faith. He saw what was going on and and, and, and he saw what was taking place, and it, it moved his heart. And all of a sudden, there was nobody in the room in Jesus' mind. He wasn't seeing any of them. He was seeing that. And he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Be healed. And the guy got healed. This determined faith. Now, I want to, I want to, now, here we go. Turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 14. I want to show you another story similar. Mark 9, 14 is where I'll pick it up. It says that when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and the scribes disputing with them. Now, take note of that. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Now, who were the scribes? Think about that, right? They were religious people. Hey, and they knew the word. These weren't, you know, these weren't the local bar owners, not that there's anything wrong with being a local bar owner, but I'm just saying these were the religious people. They knew the word. Are you all with me? They knew what the Bible said. Just because you know what the Bible says doesn't mean your heart can, is going to be right. Can I have a better amen than that? And so here's these guys, these scribes out there, man, that are all sitting there, and they're disputing with the disciples. Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, he throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Now, the disciples had been going out and working miracles. It was not like their first run. They had been going out through the land preaching the gospel. They had been going out and, and seeing miracles. Jesus had already delegated authority to them. They were already going out, and they were already seeing it happen. But what happened this day that this boy got to them? I'm going to tell you something. It wasn't the boy that got to him. It was the scribes and Pharisees disputing with them. And it got them into this, this place of doubt and unbelief. It got them into their heads. It, the, the, the words they said to him got in their heads. That's why I said the one game in life that I don't play is golf. Well, there may be more, but the one I know of. I hate golf. I hate it with a passion. I mean, it brings the devil out in me. All right? But when I'm looking at that little ball, because I've tried to play, and I'm looking at that little ball, and I'm thinking, okay, now just swing, just swing, swing easy, you can do it. In my head, 
is saying you're going to shank it. And I can't overcome and I can't because I've never played good enough to where I say, oh, look, that was a good. Story. Oh, look at that's right where I wanted it. I've never done that. Just goes everywhere. And so I have no dope inside of me, no data on my previous encounters that that ball is going to go where I want to go. So when I'm standing there, my brain has got me psyched out. And all someone would have to do to me is say, yeah, you're going you're gonna to miss it or you're going to top it. And I would. I would like follow that word. So it's such a frustrating game. I hate it. This is what happened to the disciples. They've been seeing miracles. They've been seeing things happen. All of a sudden, they've got this epileptic boy here, and the fathers wanting to pray for him. The scribes got in their heads. And what's going on in the world today? Listen to me, church. I just can't jump up and down enough and shout this from the rooftops. What's going on in the world, and it started with COVID. It's just been impounded. Just got the words just been turned up, turned up, and turned up. It's trying to get people off balance, trying to get you with some junk in your head to make you not believe that the Word of God is true, to make you not believe that Jesus is going to do what He said He's going to do, to come in there and undermine your faith. We've got churches arguing about what the Bible says. We've got all kinds of craziness going on. I don't know how many videos I have watched of people out protesting events, whatever the event may be, and somebody goes up and starts asking them questions about while they're protesting, and they really can't answer because they just get stirred up and everything. And let's just go, oh, this is right. And then you're just like, no, this is what it is. And they're like, oh, really? No, I'm not for that. And then what are you doing here? You didn't search it out. You didn't have, because people have, give, have given place to this demonic spirit that is getting into people's minds and causing them to have doubt and unbelief that things of the Word of God and Jesus is true. Hello? And it's a demonic spirit that's unleashed on the earth right now. Can I have an amen? I'm telling you the truth here. And if you don't watch it, it will get into your life. How many of, how many of, uh, of you ladies, I thought of this example this morning, and I don't, it may not even be a good one because I've never done it. You've ever st- were going to bake a cake and it failed. I remember, I don't know why, I don't know what the deal was, but we lived in an old ranch house that had wooden floors on it. And when we were kids running, mother would make us stop. When we came in the kitchen, stop right there. I got a cake in the oven. I don't really know what that had anything to do with anything. But we weren't supposed to run in the kitchen when the cake was in the oven. I guess it would fall or something if it shook too much. I don't know. I don't. Maybe the floor was just that shakier. Maybe she just using that as an excuse to get us to stop running. I don't know. But if you've ever had a failure, then when you go back to bake the cake the next time, your brain's going to be saying, well, maybe I should have put a little of this. And if you don't get your data right, you may be doing exactly the wrong thing. You may be adding more of the wrong ingredient that caused it to fail the last time. And how many of you know, if you've had a failure in life, then that, that area of your faith gets, gets touched. You know, it gets, mm, what's the word? It gets, you know, uh, wishy-washy, huh? And you don't know what to trust. Folks, listen to me. If you're not, if you don't have an anchor to your soul, then man, the Bible says you're just going to go flipping and flopping around everywhere. And as I'm looking over the world today, people do not have anchors to their soul. And for sure, the anchor is not Jesus. So he says, he tells them, he answers him, says, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? What do you call them? Faithless generation. 
Jesus addressed the point right there. The problem that's going on right here, right now, is called faithless. He said, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring him here to me. So they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. He fell on the ground. He wallowing in foam in his mouth. He asked his, uh, he asked his father, how long has this happened to him? And he said, for from a child. It often throws him into both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, produce faith, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, is Jesus a liar? See, there's some things in the scriptures that Jesus says sometimes, like love your neighbor, you may not want to do. But he did say it, right? You, what are you going to do? Say, no, he didn't say that. Then, then how are you going to... How are you going to believe Romans chapter 10 that says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you'll be saved? Oh, yeah, we believe that one because we want to go to heaven. You don't get to pick and choose in the Bible what you want to believe. Hello? It either is all true, it's all the Word of God, or it's not. None of it is. You might as well go home, lay on the couch, and eat potato chips. If you can believe, you can produce faith, then all things can become possible to you. But look what he says. And immediately the father of the child cried out with tears. That's this is intense. He cried out with tears, said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> hey, have you been like that before? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Right? He's saying, I do want to believe. That's what he should have said. I want to believe, but I've got this unbelief talking to me over here. And that's the... The dope I'm talking about, the data on previous experiences that you've had that gets rid of that unbelief. Because our problem is not God's not moving. Our problem is not that we're a bunch of sinners. Because if Jesus either took care of the sin problem on the cross or he didn't. Oh, I'm preaching good now. He either took care of the problem or he didn't. You can't let the devil get that in on you. The problem is not with any of those issues. The problem is simply with us. We're not producing faith. And the reason why we're not producing faith is because there's a whisper inside of our ear saying, that's not right. One of my favorite stories, but it's a whole message in itself, so I just got one verse out. Uh, it's 1 Kings 18, 21, Elijah on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal. It's a great message. If you've never read it, go read 1 Kings 18. But Elijah's there, and, 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 and you know the story that, that, that the prophets of Baal, they're about to have a big a big duel, big, you know, show of who's God, right? And Elijah says in verse 21, and Elijah came to all the people and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Folks, we are either Christians or we're not. Amen. You don't get to pick and say, well, I'm of this denomination or that denomination. No, no, no. You're either a believer in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, trusting in his blood to have washed your sins away. And then that's really the bottom line. That's it. Then you believe that your Bible is true and you read it and do it. It's really simple. We want to make it complicated, but it's really simple. We cannot falter between two opinions. We cannot say, oh, yeah, my Bible's true. Well, it, there's this one part over here that, you know, it got mistranslated or it wasn't right. In the Man, come on, folks. You start doing that. Now you're not trusting your dope. You're going to get messed up. You opened up the door for unbelief to come in. If Jesus said it, it's either it, it's true. There's no way it can be false. If Jesus said all things are possible to him that believe, well, then all things are possible to him that will believe. And if all things aren't happening, well, the problem is not with Jesus. It's with unbelief. Sometimes we don't want to hear that. We can't falter between two opinions. 
We can't say, well, look, I'm going to go over there and smack this guy around, and then I'll pray for him to get healed, and then we'll love him. You don't get to come up with that, your own mix of doctrine. I would like to, but I don't get to. So James chapter 1, verse 5, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But if, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts will be like the waves of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. Peace comes in our life when we know that our faith is on rock-solid ground with Jesus. Then peace comes. One time, years ago, when I first started walking with Jesus, there was a situation, problem going on. I don't remember what exactly it was. And... I went to a, a person, because you should always seek counsel, and I went to a person who had been serving the Lord longer than I had, and I explained to them the issue. I you know, said, this is what's happening. I've prayed, and, and, and it's, and, but I don't really, ain't nothing happening. I don't know. I don't, you know, whatever. And he said, look, Robert, do, just do this. Go home, however you want to do it. Go outside, get on your knees at your bed, do whatever, and pray the prayer one more time. But this time, pray it like you mean it. And when you get up from it, thank the Lord that it's done and walk away. And that, that wisdom really changed me in, in, in my thinking because I realized sometimes I'm not, I wasn't praying, I was parlaying. It sounds like praying, but I was parlaying with the Lord. Now, Lord, if you'll do this, then I'll do this. I'll serve you all the days of my life if you'll answer this prayer like this. That's parlaying. That's not praying. And we do that a lot. We don't even realize it sometimes. We're just parlaying with the Lord. It's either you know that he said it, and, and he said, if you ask in faith, I'll do it, and then we will do it, we pray, and we believe, or we're parlaying, or we're like the waves of the sea, tossed and turned. Now, I guarantee there's been some things in life that I have had to spend some time in prayer about because I, I didn't even know what the outcome would be. All right. I, 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 don't, I don't even I, I couldn't even figure it out. And it had to be when these things, Lord, I don't know, but I'm just trusting you. Whatever happens, happens, because I I don't even know what to say. I can't ask you specifically for something or to do something because I don't even know what needs to be done to try to fix this situation. But peace comes when you know you're walking in faith. So you've got to have that determined faith. You've got to be able to open up your dope chart, look at it and say, OK, that's what it says. That's what I'm going to trust, and that's what I'm going to do. Call for the elders of the church, having anointed them with all, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. So if you're facing that, and you call for the elders of the church, they anoint you with all, and pray prayer of faith, that it save the sick, but then the sick should be saved. But what do we do? Oh, this is, I'm not trying to step all over your toes this morning. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help us all, myself included, okay? What do we do? What we do is we pray and then look to see if something changed to know if we got our answer to prayer. But wait a minute, wouldn't faith be that we did what we were supposed to do, what the scripture told us to do, so therefore the results should be there or coming? I, I, I find it interesting that Christians, you can ask them, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that if you died today, you'd go to heaven? And they say, oh, absolutely. Why? Well, because I prayed. I asked Jesus to forgive me my sins. I asked him to come into my heart. Okay. Did you see him? Did you go have an x-ray and now you see the face of Jesus inside of you? Did you gain weight? Because 
You're carrying around the Lord with you now. What is your determining factor that you are saved? Well, I just know it in my heart. Oh, oh so you mean faith produced something inside of you, a knowing inside of you that you were right with God. See, if I was selling tickets up here and say, look, I got a ticket to take you to heaven. I just need $5. You get a ticket, you'll get to heaven. Then you, you go home. You tell your wife, I was in church. I'm okay now. I got a ticket. And say, what are you talking about, fool? And he says, well, pastor's selling tickets to go to heaven. I got one. You see, it doesn't work that way. Really? You could get talked out of it. But it's if it's a determined thing in your heart, you can't get talked out of it. An atheist would come up to me and throw all kinds of stuff in there, and I just, I just have to say, look, sir, it doesn't make any difference. I know in my heart, and I, I know that that isn't satisfactory for you, but I don't care about you. I care about me, and I'm the one going to heaven, so you can go do whatever you want to do. Go be a firefighter in hell for all I care, you know? I know what's inside of my heart. Hello? Do y'all see what I'm saying? When you pray a prayer and that same determination is within your heart, I'm going to tell you you got your answer to prayer. But if the doubt and unbelief can come up and whisper to you and talk you out of it, you never got to the place of faith. But we're quick to, 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 to say, oh, yeah, I know I'm going to heaven. It's the same faith. It's a determined faith that you've got to trust in. The second one. Here we go. Number two. Number two is you've got to start with a clean heart. doesn't do you any good to go hunting with a dirty gun. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. You've got to have a clean heart. Hear what I'm saying. You say, well, Pastor, how can I have a clean heart? There's so much going on all the time. Listen to me. I have, I have, I don't want to say stacks. I got a small stack that's on the desk of my heart of issues and things I have to deal with. Because every now and then I just get mad. And I don't want to love. I want to go to war. I want Jesus to give me a rod of iron and a white horse and send me out to straighten everybody up. And he's like, no, that's not the, what you do right now, Robert. And I'm like, but I want to. I want to be like gun smoke. Just go out there in the middle of the street, Matt Dillon, in the dispute. Are y'all with me? We're all like that. We all have those issues in our life. But folks, you have to deal with those issues. You've got to have a clean heart. You've got to get those issues out. And so I have issues that I'm dealing with, but this is the point. I'm dealing with it. I'm submitting it before the Lord. I'm putting it out in front of him. I'm saying what Psalms 51.10 says, Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. There's a difference if a person doesn't want to deal with it or you're dealing with it. I don't care if you got a wheelbarrow full or a dump truck load. As long as you're saying, Lord, these are the things I'm thinking. I know they're not right. They don't line up with your word. I want them out of my heart. Lord, help me through here. I, I'm believing for your grace. Grace. Good word. Grace. To get me through. Lord, I'm working on these issues. Well, then you're, you're in the right place. All right? Because sometimes it just takes time to get all those things dealt with. Right? But you take care of all that stuff in the presence of God. Remember Martha and Mary? Oh, Martha and Mary, Luke 10, 38, right? Jesus comes to the house. Mary's over there sitting at Jesus' feet. Martha's hurrying and busy, trying to make it all look pretty, get everything done, get all the napkins out, make sure everybody's got a cup, got a refill of tea. Mary, she's just sitting there. Martha, what does she do? Uh-oh, her heart's not right. Martha's like stinking Mary, no good for nothing, lazy bum. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, look at her being all showy and pretty. And the little princess is sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
And I'm back here slaving in the hot stove, wiping the sweat off, trying to make sure everybody's happy because that's what you do. Hello? And then Jesus says, Martha, 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 why are you so troubled? Well, because they don't have enough tea. Things aren't like they're supposed to be. Because, see, Martha had this all set up in her mind. Jesus, the Son of God's at her house, and she's wanted to be looking perfect. I know you women aren't like that. And Jesus said, Martha, you got it all wrong. What you need to do is just come sit down here and listen. You need to just come sit down here and throw all this down and let me cleanse your heart because then that's where you're going to find peace. Hello? So you got to deal with those issues in your heart. Now, what's interesting about this is I work with metal a lot, and I get these little shavings of metal stuck in my fingers. And, you know, I try to dig it out of the pocket knife or whatever. You know, I have gotten more advanced now that I use actually a pair of tweezers. And so, but I don't get them all, and then, then I don't notice them. Listen to me. I don't notice them until they get sore because they're, they're broke off flush with the skin. It doesn't snag on anything. And then it starts to rust, and I get a little spot. And then I notice that when I reach for something, I touch. There's a, it's tender. Y'all all know what I'm talking about. If you've ever gotten a thorn, hadn't got it out, it's there, you know. And then what happens? The skin starts trying to grow over it, right? Which doesn't help matters because the skin's growing over it because it's trying to encapsulate it and isolate it, right? But if the same thing takes place in your heart. You get hurt in your heart, you get offended in your heart, you get an offense, you get a, you know, an issue of whatever's going on, and you don't remove it, cleanse your heart, you don't remove it, you don't take it out, then what happens is that's why the Bible talks about a calloused heart. It's calloused over those things that are still tender and sore to you. And you think it's okay because you don't see an open wound. But then all of a sudden, uh-oh, something touched it. And then you say, uh-oh. There's something there. It has to be removed. Those are the cleansing that Jesus does in your heart when you be like Mary and sit at his feet and say, Lord, look, I got this thorn. Can you help me get it out? And if you think you don't have any, then you've got the biggest one of all. You have a a lying spirit in you that you're just lying. Okay, number three. Number three. Number three is simply this. Practice makes perfect. Romans chapter 10, verse 16. It says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel, for the Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. A real good translation of that would be faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Okay? Faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. It's a, it, it's a life that you live continuously hearing the voice of God is the practice that makes perfect. So ask yourself this question. Whose voice do you hear the most? Do you hear your voice the most? Well, I can't believe they did that. I just, they just need, to go, I just need to go over there and just slap their teeth out. No, you're listening to you. Or are you listening to, listening to the voice of the devil that whispers in your ear and says, God doesn't love you. God's not going to answer your prayer. Are you listening to the voice of God that you, through, through continuous reading, listening, and hearing the Word of God, know the principles of the Word of God, and then that voice is speaking to you, saying, I love you. With an everlasting love. And you know it. Almost got thrown out of a church once because I made this statement. I said, look, I know that I'm loved by my God, and I know I'm his favorite. And they didn't like it. They're like, how do you know you're his favorite? I said, because the Bible says I'm his favorite. Well, what about me? I said, well, you can be his favorite too, but do you believe it? I live for the place that I get to in life 
When I stand before Jesus and I want to hear him say those words, well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's all I'm looking for. I don't want to see no numbers, no statistics, no, you know, how did I do on the scale and what was my learning curve and, you know, what was all. I don't even care about that. I just want to make sure that I pleased him, right? Well, I know by faith in my heart that I've already gotten that response or I will get that response, not because I do everything right, but because the greatest, you're going you're to get that response if you're a believer in him. So you have to live life continuously, continuously hearing the voice of God through reading, through worship, through fellowship, through music, through whatever you're doing. You have to continue. Your day has to begin with reading, getting in there, listening to the voice, hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God, hearing the voice of God. Because faith comes from hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's not you came to church on Sunday. Well, I went to church on Sunday. I mean, I heard. Yeah, this is today. Tomorrow's going to have another set of problems. First John 1, 3 says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is where we need to be. Fellowship with the Father. Fellowship with the Son. Fellowship with one another. It's a lifestyle a fellowship with God. But so many Christians, folks, listen to me. It's like a, it's like a switch to turn on on Sunday and turn off come Monday. Because Monday you're busy doing stuff. And you may not purposely say, okay, well, Lord, I got, you know, you need to stay in the truck. You may not purposely be doing that, you know, uh, thoughtfully, you know, a thought process of doing that. But if you then go and you're out doing everything without his help, hello, then what happens is then you, literally you're asking Jesus to stay in the truck and you're going to go do it. Then you get in trouble, so you run back to the truck to ask him if he can help you. No, it's a continual fellowship all day long. It's walking every moment of every day talking to the Lord. Okay, my last point. Y'all seem like you're bored with this, so I'm just going to go on. Last point, number four, okay, is simply this. Start with a fig tree before you try to move a mountain. Out of Mark chapter 11, verse 12, it says, The next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, he having leaves. No, I didn't read that right. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In response, Jesus said to it, Let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. For a long time I thought Jesus picked on the fig tree, like he did something that wasn't fair. Then I learned that a fig tree in Israel, when it produces leaves, it produces a fig with it. If a fig tree has leaves on it, it should have fruit on it. So it was actually a lying fig tree because it showed a leaf, but it had no fruit, right? Sounds like some Christians I know. They're waving the flag, showing forth leaves, but they don't ever really be nice to even produce fruit. So Jesus said, that's a lying fig tree. You should have had fruit on you don't. He said, curse be you, you liar. He didn't say that. I said that, but I'm just saying. He was saying, you lying fig tree, right? Wither and die. So then the next day they come back. Peter looks over there and sees a fig tree. That thing's toast. And he goes and talks to Jesus about it. What's a fig tree? It's withered from its roots. Again, this is me. I'm paraphrasing here. And then I think Peter said to him, Lord, teach us how to do this. Like I get a ministry, a fig tree killing ministry. Have y'all ever looked? I mean, I'm always amazed where... 
Jesus says, they're going to come, they're going to spit on me, they're going to kill me, they're going to take me to the cross, they're going to kill me, but third day I'm going to rise from the dead. And then James and John come to him and says, hey, if we ask you something, would you do for sure do it for us? And Jesus said, what do you want? Well, when you get to heaven, can I sit on your right hand and him on your left? What were these guys thinking? I mean, this is John who laid his head on Jesus' bosom. John, the guy that has all these great revelations and great things about Jesus, was wanting to just, uh, just secure him the right-hand position in heaven. And he thought he could do it because he brought his mother along to whine and cry to Jesus that maybe Jesus, well, since you brought your mother. I mean, what craziness is in these guys' hearts? And they're called the apostles. Here again, I think Peter was saying, I want this ministry, fig tree killing ministry. And so then Jesus said in verse 20, I'm still Mark 11, 20, it says, the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from its roots. And Peter, remembering, he said in him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree, which is you cursed, withered away. So Jesus answered and said unto them, have faith in God. Hmm. That goes back to point one. For surely I say to you that whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you that whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you have received them and you'll have them. But I want to tell you something. I have learned through a lot of failures in life that if you want to get your Christian walk going and you really want to get your data in the right place, start with a fig tree before you try to move a mountain. I preached to my dog in the backyard before I ever preached to people. Dog got saved. He was great at an altar call. I'd bring him up and said to him, sit. If you want to get saved, give me your paw. He'd put him in the paw. I said, okay, I'm going to lead you to the Lord now. I'm going to hold your hand. I practiced on that dog forever. Forever preached to a person. And so many times I've seen young people, they get saved and they get excited about Jesus and they're ready to go off to, you know, wherever and have a full-blown ministry in, you know, some foreign country. And I'm like, man, you know, you might ought to have wanted to stay around for a few years and just make sure... You understand how all this works before you jump out in the middle of it. And if you start with the fig trees of your life, the problems that are around you, and start seeing God move and fixing those issues, then you're, you get a bigger ballistic card, right? Because then you get to experience these things and you know what God did. And then when you go to move mountains, it's easier. I'll never forget this This. And I've told you this before, it's story number, you know, whatever. But uh, when I first started in, in, as a carpenter, after we'd, I'd lost a ranch and gone broke, and, and we're sitting up there and we're cutting, we're cutting roof joists going into a valley, meeting another pitch coming in. And they had to be cut not just one angle, but they had to be cut on the bevel angle too. And the carpenters were trying to figure it out. Well, I don't know anything. My skill level was to be nail it. That was it. I didn't get to talk. Call a measurement down, shut up, we'll throw you the board, nail it. And so the carpenters cut one, and I put it up there, and I said, man, it's not right. I said, what's wrong? I said, man, you know, it's too open on the heel or the toe or whatever, and I threw it back down. So then they are all arguing about, no, no, that's, you know, you're coming into this angle over here, you know, and that's an 8 and 12 going over here, and you've got the valley in there, you know, you got to cut over this, and this is a 4 and 12 over here, and you're going to da And so then they'd send me another board up, and I'd put it up there. I said, it's not right. It's the wrong angle. And so I'd throw it back down. And, and it just, at that moment, I'm sitting up there, and, of course, I was, I was just excited about the Lord. I was just saved, 
And I was always praying God not, uh, to do something for me, you know, some, give me some signs and wonders. And I'd been studying about the gifts of the Spirit. And I said, man, Lord, it should be nice to have a word of wisdom right now, a word of knowledge, you know, of that angle. And just that quick popped in my head. And I, I don't remember what it was. I said, man, cut it on a 3 and 12 uh, bevel on a 6 and 12 pitch. And they're like, what? You don't know anything. I said, just do it. They cut it, man, it fit like a glove. And they're like, how'd you know that? I said, God told me. And then that wigged them all out. They're all freaked out. Nobody wanted, nobody even wanted to look my direction for them. I said, oh, my God. But see, I started with a fig tree. I just trying to figure out how to cut a board on an angle. From the very first time I ever had a word of knowledge was to cut a board. Hello? Well, you start killing some fig trees. Well, then you can move on up to moving mountains. But we always end up with these. We're trying to move mountains, you know. We're looking at Mount Everest in our life saying, oh, God, get it out of here. Well, kill a few fig trees down at the bottom, and then you can move Mount Everest. Hello? So I'm sure some of you have some fig trees that you would like killed. Can I have an amen? Everybody's got some fig trees. And so that's where you start. Amen? Okay, I want you to stand up. If you would, just put your Bibles up. My prayer team can come down. I want to pray for you right now. But I got something very specific to pray about. Those of you out watching, listening, I just want you to understand. God knows right where you are. You're not fooling God. If God knows how many hairs are on your head, then he knows what's going on. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what, what you're experiencing. He knows what your, what, where areas in your heart need to be cleansed. He knows where, where, uh, um, uh, you, what fig tree you need to pray for. Hello? Y'all with me? In agreement? God knows. And you can hide all the things in the world. God knows everything. He knows where you still have a thorn that's got calloused over. So what I want to do is I want to pray for you. But I need you to open up your heart and be willing to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Maybe right now. Maybe when you get out in the car and, and you're, you're visiting back and forth about the message that something comes up. Or maybe a song you hear tomorrow. Maybe the scripture you read. Right? But the Holy Spirit's going to reveal things to you. I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. I can guarantee you, if you'll open up your heart and you'll just don't be a Martha and be a Mary, God will speak to you and he'll show you exactly what's going on. And then you're going to have the answer to the prayer. Amen. So I'm going to pray. You get your hearts right. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus name, everyone hearing the sound of my voice. I just thank you, oh, Heavenly Father, right now that, that through this message, we see the, the areas of our life that we've We've not been trusting our data, Lord. We've faltered in unbelief. And so, Lord, I pray right now for each person, no matter what is going on in life, that you speak through the fog, through the dark, through the, through the, through the trees, through the whatever debris is there, the stumbling blocks, Lord, you speak through it all. And you speak to us. And we hear your voice because we know faith comes through hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and fellowship with you. And so, Lord, I pray right now that people that maybe haven't been hearing the voice of the Lord lately, they've not been hearing your still small voice speaking to them, that, Lord, this day will make a change. There will be a revival this day that will come within the hearts of the people. They will hear your voice, and your voice will set them free. I declare the devil is defeated. I declare that, God, you were on the throne of their hearts, and that, Lord, this day victory belongs to your children. So, Lord, I just thank you for it. I praise you for it, Lord, right now, for doing that miracle within their life. I pray for them, O oh Lord, that 
as they go out in life and they begin to curse fig trees, Lord, they're going to see that you're moving so that then they can move mountains. Then they can move mountains. And so, Lord, I praise you for that. I thank you for that, Lord God. Just showing them, speaking to them. And, Lord, I just believe you right now that as we leave this building, as we go out into the world, a world that seems hopeless, a world that seems dark, that, Lord, we will be the light and the bright, shining light in this world. The Lord, we will not be uh, uh, have our lights put under a basket, but that it will touch people's hearts. Give us divine appointments this week, Lord. Let people come to, to know you, because that's what it means to know you, Lord. It's everything. It's everything. So, Lord, bless them and keep them, Lord. And we thank you for them in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. We're up here to pray for you. If anybody needs prayer for anything, we're here to pray with you.